Welcome to Unwrapped, a food service podcast by Sand and Vendo America. An honest, insightful look into the issues, challenges, and trends of our industry. Hello and welcome to Unwrapped, a food service podcast brought to you by Sand and Vendo America. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Now, one of my favorite things to do is to chat about new products and learn about their capabilities and how they were developed and that sort of thing. And that's what we're going to be doing today. And joining me for this conversation is Robert Sparks, the product engineer for Sand and Vendo America. Robert, thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you, excited to, to have a chance to have this conversation. And joining us as well will be Mike Weiser, the president and CEO of Sand and Vendo America. Mike, always good to talk to you, man. Tyler, it's been uh, it's been too long. It, it truly has, Mike. It truly has. And, you know, if you're listening to this, you might be able to tell that we are recording this remotely. Uh, we miss having uh, Mike come up to the studio and do these, but, uh, you know, safety first and that sort of thing. So hopefully we can all get in the same room and record some more podcasts coming up shortly. But until then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it the safe way. The new way, the new norm. <laughs> the new normal. Yes, the new normal. Right. One of these days I'm going to get tired of saying the new normal. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, uh, today we're talking about the Curabon food storage cabinet, and I'm really excited to get to dive a little bit more into this. So, Mike, just to give us a general understanding, can you give us you know, a, a highlight of, of some of the capabilities of the Curabon food storage cabinet? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a really amazing development for us. It is a refrigerated food storage unit. To look at it, it looks like uh, a typical commercial freezer, uh, but the Curaban technology uh, deploys something called non-thermal electric field energy. And what it does is, is it allows you to extend the life of uh, the food, its shelf life, depending on the food, 10 to 15 times uh, its normal shelf life. It doesn't wow. sound real, but it is. Wow. So 10 to 15 times longer. That is absolutely incredible. So Robert, as a, as a product engineer, explain to me in simple terms how you're able to manage to ha- make this happen. So how you manage to... Ha- how you manage to help food stay good for 10 to 15 times longer than it might normally be able to. Sure thing. Yeah. So with this, uh, like Mike said, we're using non-thermal electric field energy. And that breaks down to what that means is we're putting 5,000 volts of electricity in through the food product that we store within this cabinet. Now that 5,000 volts, it's only 3.1 or three, about 3.0 milliamps of uh, current. So it's not a lot. Uh, and kind of to give you a comparison, your average vehicle, uh, your spark plugs on those, they operate from about 12,000 to 45,000 volts at uh, the same amperage. So what this does is as we're actually putting electricity into this food, it keeps the, the, the molecules of that food moving. And it's kind of similar to like the running water effect. You know, running water doesn't freeze. And so we actually store the food in this cabinet just below freezing and with it moving, it doesn't allow the product to freeze. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. So you're able to keep the food at a lower temperature without having to worry about getting freezer burn and, and that sort of thing then, right? Correct. One of the biggest benefits is this: the food is always fresh. Uh, so you're never having to thaw meat out. You actually don't get any of the damage that happens when uh, ice crystals form, especially on like uh, high-end meats. You, you know, The texture of that food will change when it freezes. This doesn't allow that to happen. Wow, that is that is really really incredible to hear about. So, Mike, we've we've heard a lot about FDA regulation. You know, the used by dates or best by dates and and that sort of thing. You know, is this something that 
you're going to have to look into when it comes to the FDA because obviously if food is able to stay good longer, then you know, maybe some of these regulations need to change or, or something along those lines. Kind of talk, talk me through that process. You know, Tyler, that is actually probably our, our biggest obstacle right now. We've, we've created something that extends the shelf life or storage life of, of food products uh, that basically reaps all of the benefit of freezing it uh, without freezing it. And we're not quite sure how to approach the FDA with regards to best buy or sell by dates uh, on food products. I mean, what do you do when, uh, when you walk into the back end of a restaurant uh, and you open the, the freezer door and you see something that has a best buy, best used by one week ago or one month ago? Well, it's, it's self-explanatory. The, the item's frozen. It's still you know, perfectly uh, uh, able to be used. But when it's in a, something that looks like a refrigerator uh, and it's in a liquid state, uh, how do you explain that to a health inspector? So there has to be some sort of uh, of lobbying that uh, that takes place uh, that allows operators and and the likes to be able to explain why and how uh, this unit can extend products uh, shelf life beyond uh, the expiration dates. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'll be curious to follow that a little bit more and to to understand exactly how that ends up shaking out. But Mike, you told me before we started recording that you have the the interesting backstory of how Best Buy dates came around, and now I'm I, I'm dying to know because you wouldn't share it with us off the air, and so I, I really want to hear the story of where Best Buy dates came from. It's an interesting story, in, in fact, and and let me uh, let me backtrack just a little bit. A lot of food expires. For example, an orange. Would you eat a, a moldy, soggy orange? Of course not. And can it make you sick? Yeah, I probably could. But there's no law that says there has to be a best used by or expiration date on on an orange. And it's the same thing with milk and meats and fish and other products. At some point, or, organic food begins to deteriorate and decompose. But no one knows exactly when that's going to be. The, the FDA has mandated for certain foods and, and medications to have uh, expiration dates or, or best if used by dates on them. So if we go back to the 1920s, uh, there was no such law, no such regulation until Enter Al Capone in the 1920s in Chicago. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have expiration dates or best buy dates because of Al Capone. Uh, he was looking for uh, legitimate business to, to get into after uh, the end of Prohibition. And because he was the main guy of, of Prohibition, the, the, the main mobster, the main importer of uh, Canadian whiskey and Puerto Rican rum, uh, he had lots of bottling facilities that he had acquired. And in these bottling facilities, he had printing equipment that allowed you to print on the bottles. Uh, so he thought that if he could convince the FDA, or at the time it was a different organization, but if he could convince the, uh, the state version of the FDA uh, at the time to require uh, expiration dates on all milk bottles, he would be able to uh, monopolize uh, the milk business. Uh, which, again, at the time, had higher profit margins than alcohol, uh, thereby giving him a monopoly on a legitimate business after Prohibition. Wow. That is unbelievable. I know, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Leave it to, to Al Capone to come up with something like that. That is, uh, that's sneaky, man. That's really sneaky. I'm just as shocked to hear this story. It's the first I've heard that, so that's very interesting. Oh, yeah, you can, you can fact check me on Wikipedia. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go read up more on this uh, off the air. But uh, that's that's really really fascinating, man. Okay, so l- let me let me try to get us back on track and, and back to the Kurabon food storage cabinet. So, Robert, you were uh, involved in the development of this product and, and kind of bringing it to market and bringing it to the United States. Tell me a little bit more about that process, where this product originated, and you know how you have been developing and working on it over you know over the last period of time. So this technology was uh, actually purchased, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike, from our parent company, uh, Sandin, and they've developed their own uh, cabinet. But there are some challenges from the engineering side. You know, we couldn't simply buy a cabinet from our parent company, bring it over here and sell it. And the reason for that is because of our agencies, you know, UL, uh, safety, food service, uh, so the, the NSF. So there are a lot of agencies that make sure any products that we release are, of course, safe for the end consumer. What we've done is we've taken that non-thermal electric field energy that it comes in a nice little package that we're able to put onto a cabinet that we've developed. And like Mike said, this is looks like your standard commercial freezer. And from the outside, that's what it is. Of course, we've got a little bit better insulation, thicker walls, and a great refrigeration system on top of it. And so on the inside of that, I would say the biggest challenge is, of course, isolating that 5,000 volts into just the food so that when someone walks up to it, they're not getting shocked. And that's one of our greater challenges as far as agency approvals to make sure that this is safe and no one's going to get hurt. And we had mm-hmm. to develop our, our own interlocks for it to be safe, uh, you know, that completely shut the system off. So a lot of, a lot of challenges with this product. That's really, really interesting. So when we talk about um, this product and, and what it's capable of, Mike, what, what do you see as the primary use cases for it? And where do you see it being maybe the most beneficial? You know, if you, if you take a look at the restaurant industry, uh, the infrastructure within the, the restaurant industry is, is, is quite established. You know, uh, restaurants are receiving deliveries uh, daily. Uh, so it, extending food life in a restaurant may not seem like uh, the the first market that that we want to approach but if we look specifically within the uh, the aging of meat and uh, and and the restaurants that are are serving aged beef products um, we think that that's uh, that's going to be the first place that uh, that we approach so imagine you're a restauranteer and you want to serve high-end aged beef uh, you typically have to either buy it pre-aged from uh, a beef supplier or you have to buy it and then age it yourself. And uh, in any case, when you buy aged beef, you lose about 50% of the volume of the beef uh, due to water evaporation and mm. then having to carve away uh, the older age decomposed uh, portion of the meat, leaving you with about 50% of your, of your actual beef. Uh, but in Curaban, you can wet age for 90 days, 120 days, and be able to purchase uh, beef uh, at a lower cost or not aged beef, and then age it your, yourself in your restaurant without any food loss at all. So you can reap 100% of the, of the finished product. Uh, you can charge the, the higher price and enjoy the higher margins uh, of the aged beef uh, without any of the, of the waste basically doubling your your sellable inventory of beef uh, and uh, at the higher margins. 
So, you know, I, I think one thing that, that has been maybe a common theme that people have talked quite a bit about recently has been just that idea of food waste and wanting to be smarter about food purchases and things like that. But if you have a piece of technology, if you have a piece of equipment like the Curban, like what you're discussing, then you're able to reduce your food waste a bunch and make sure that what you're buying you're actually using, which I think in the end, it results in higher profits, right? Less waste makes you feel better about maybe your um, your environmental impact and, and things like that. So all in all, this feels like a, a huge win for, for restaurants when you when you really kind of break it down that way, right, Mike? Absolutely. And, and the technology is completely scalable. So today we have it on a two-door refrigerated cabinet, again, about the size and shape and appearance of a typical commercial refrigerator. But it could be scaled down to mm. Uber Eats delivery boxes, uh, or scaled all the way up to entire refrigerated warehouses, uh, delivery trucks. And so you can utilize that to harvest food uh, and, and food products uh, during their peak season and then extend the storage of those products. So take, for example, avocados, a valuable commodity. Uh, when they are in season, they're about $30 a case. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're out of season, they're about $90 a case. So imagine being able to double or triple your inventory of avocados at you know the lower $30 a case and having enough inventory to last you uh, 90 days later when uh, the price of avocados have, have tripled and you're still serving guacamole. Wow, that is uh, that is awesome. That's something that'll make my wife very happy. Year-round guacamole, you know, is is definitely something that she's gonna she's gonna support. So uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll be paying more at the at the you know Tex-Mex restaurants, but that is that is perfectly okay. Well, guys, this is really really exciting, and I'm I'm happy to have the opportunity to uh, to chat with you guys about this today and to highlight the the benefits that this product provides. And so, Mike Weiser and uh, and Robert Sparks, thank you so much for joining me today here on Unwrapped, the Food Service Podcast by Sandin. Vendo to, to chat about this a little bit more. Oh, I had a great time, Tyler. Thank you so much for uh, giving us the opportunity to talk about this. Uh, we really think this is going to be a game changer and, and we're looking forward to uh, uh, deploying the technology throughout the industry. Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm excited to see uh, to see how this goes as well and, and excited to see it deployed and in action because I, I think just the benefits that you spoke to just now are, are really exciting and uh, will make a huge difference. And so thank you guys very much for joining to, uh, to speak about it today. And everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes. But until then, make sure you go subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts these days so you can hear previous episodes of the show and be kept aware of uh, future episodes of the show that are coming out soon. Of course, we will be back soon with more episodes. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening. <laughs>